the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In Greek, there are two kinds of imperative or commands. There's the aorist imperative and there's the present imperative. The aorist imperative uh, issues one singular command. The present imperative issues a command that you should always do something or continue to do something. Jesus uses the second form. And so Jesus is saying, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. It really helps, doesn't it, when you have that etymological understanding of the words of Jesus from Scripture. This is study verse by verse, and that's exactly what Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno has been doing as he's taken us through the Sermon on the Mount as found in the book of Matthew. And we begin a new message today dealing with exactly how we treat each other. Beginning in chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount has given us guidelines for our lifestyle and our attitudes and what is expected of us as disciples. And these expectations are so high, how can any of us fulfill them in our own strength? Well, we can't. And so Jesus here, as he's wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount, reminds us that we need to pray, we need to ask, and we need to seek, and we need to knock. The ability to live for God is only a prayer away. And the ability to live for God is moment by moment. Each event, we, we have a choice. We can either live for God or we can live for ourselves. Now, the only way we can live for God and live out the Sermon on the Mount is by having the new life that God provides when we come to faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. And we bring our will into alignment with His will, which is described in Scripture. And when we receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, the Holy Spirit comes to live within us to empower us to do things that are pleasing to God. That's probably why Jesus here is talking about prayer again at this point in the Sermon on the Mount, especially after he has discussed it uh, rather extensively in the previous chapter. And so what he's saying here is in order for us to do God's will, to work for spiritual treasure, to trust God rather than to worry, to stop looking down on others as though they were somehow inferior, then we need God's help in this. And, And verses 7 through 11 are an immensely important passage about prayer. These verses, 7 through 11, make an an excellent bridge between what precedes and what follows. What precedes is Jesus talking about having a judgmental attitude. What follows is the golden rule. Now, the golden rule calls for a generosity that's far and above beyond our mere mortal capacity. And that is introduced by these verses, 7 through 11, which speaks of the incredible generosity of God. It is God himself who sets our example. We need to be generous towards others because God has been generous towards us. And verses 7 through 11 also connect with the golden rule with the part that we just discussed about judgmental attitudes because the person who practices the golden rule refuses to say or do anything that would harm another. If our judging of others is not governed by the golden rule, We're going to end up proud, judgmental, and critical. 
Now, this is not the first passage on prayer in the Sermon on the Mount. It's not going to be the last passage on prayer in Matthew's gospel. But anyone who prays needs to know what kind of God to whom he is praying. Is What is the atmosphere in which his prayers are going to be received? Is God stingy? Do we have to be coercing him to do what we ask? Or is he mocking? We ask for something, he gives it to us, but there's a barb on it. Or is God overwhelmed running the universe? And so we have to yell and get his attention because he's so distracted by other things. Or does he have a heart that is so kind that he is more willing to give than we are to ask or receive? These verses teach that if we're Jesus' disciples, then we've entered into the kingdom of heaven. We can call God our Father. We've been adopted by God and, the, and our God Our Father, our Heavenly Father, is generous and giving. A child bases their requests of their father or their parent based in large part on the temperament of the father. If a father is stingy and ill-tempered, then a child will quickly learn they have to be very selective of when, where, how they make their requests to dad. But if dad is generous and, and joyful, then then uh, a child feels open and free to approach their father at any time. If God was like the pagans imagined him to be, capricious, selfish, and vengeful, then we would always need to be on guard whenever we approached one of those kind of gods in prayer. We'd think we'd have to bribe God or win him over somehow. That's what the ancient people who did not know the true God did. But if God is gracious as Jesus taught, then we don't need to be afraid to come to him at any time. Jesus said, verse 7, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that others would do for you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So according to these words, Jesus says God is not harsh, he's not revengeful, he's not stingy. On the contrary, he is loving, he is gracious, he is merciful, he wants to give good gifts to his children. And so Jesus' argument here is very simple and straightforward. Jesus argues that no loving earthly father ever refused uh, to provide for their child, and God, our great heavenly father, will never refuse to give what is good to his children. God will always answer our prayers, but he may not answer them in the way that we expect. Because when he answers our prayer, he exercises perfect wisdom and perfect love. And if he answered all the prayers that that we ask, that might be the very worst thing that could possibly happen for us because oftentimes we ask for things that can do us harm. He will never give us something that will harm us. Now let's look at the passage in greater detail. Jesus said, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Notice that ask, seek, and knock are put in a progressive sequence, a sequential order. Uh, Ask, does it exist? 
What does it look like? Where can I find it? And if you want to do more than just talk about it or think about it, you've got to seek. You need to practice searching for it. And then you need to knock. When you find it, you need to acquire it. But sometimes there are obstacles that stand in the way. And so you try to remove the obstacles between you and what you want. So what is the it that Jesus is talking about here? Well, the it is what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. And that is the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. A kingdom is wherever the will of the king takes priority. So you want the will of the king, King Jesus, to take priority. Ask, does it exist? Does God have a will regarding this matter? What does it look like? Where can I find it? And we know that we can find the will of God expressed in his word, the word of God. And we ask God's Holy Spirit to reveal his will in his word. But more than just revealing, we need to want and seek God's will be done. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And sometimes when we are seeking and doing God's will, there are obstacles that get in the way. And when that happens, then we need to keep knocking until God opens the door. We need to keep pursuing until God's will is done. Prayer gets things done. Now, there's another important insight that's provided from the original language. In Greek, there are two kinds of imperative or commands. There's the aorist imperative and there's the present imperative. The aorist imperative uh, issues one singular command. The present imperative issues a command that you should always do something or continue to do something. An example of the first is shut the door. An example of the second is always shut the door. Keep on shutting the door. Jesus uses the second form. And so Jesus is saying, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Now, why does he ask us to keep on praying like this? Well, he's not talking about vain repetition like the pagans. He's already addressed that earlier in the Sermon on the Mount. He's not talking about informing God as though God was ignorant because he's already addressed that earlier. And he's not talking about God being reluctant until we persuade him because he's already talked about that. So then why does Jesus indicate that we need to persist in prayer? And I think the best answer I have found is that our persistence in prayer is a test of our sincerity. Do we really want whatever it is that we are praying for? Is it something that's so continuously in our thoughts and our heart that we, want to, that we pray for it all the time? How sincere are we about what we're asking? The question is not, is he ready to give, but are we ready to receive? It's not so much that we prevail on God, but rather we prevail on ourselves to submit to God. Only through prayer can believers stay in contact with God, know what he wants us to do, and have the strength to do it. God answers those who persistently ask and seek and knock. Verse 9, for everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, 
finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Now, the word everyone here, I need to clarify, does not refer to everyone. Um, Jesus here, when he uses everyone, is referring to those who belong to the heavenly Father. Those who are not the children of God cannot come to God as Father. You remember when we started the sermon, we noted that Jesus was surrounded by the crowds. But this sermon was specifically uh, designated for his disciples, directed towards his disciples, children of God. So the everyone here is talking about uh, children of God, which means that if someone prays prayers that are not answered, they may need to ask the question, am I really a child of God? Did that comment catch your attention? Well, we'll uh, continue right from here when we come back on Monday at the same time with the next edition of Study Verse by Verse and a continuation of this particular message in the Sermon on the Mount series. All of the messages can be found on the website, highlands.us. That's highlands.us. And if you'd like to know the service times across the weekend and other details about the church, You'll find those right there as well. That's highlands.us. Or give us a call at 650-873-4095. Have a great weekend and come back on Monday at this same time when we'll study once again verse by verse.